Apollo 13 flight controllers, listen up. Give me a go, no go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go flight. Guidance. Guidance go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Tell me you. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control, this is Houston. We are go for launch. What's up, Kairos? Is anyone in this room terrified of the thought of going to space? Am I the only one? Who would love to go to space if you got the opportunity? There's a lot of you that want to go to space. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, the thought of going to space absolutely terrifies me. Um, but for those of you, their space tourism is hopefully going to bloom. So we're excited for you. Uh, my name is Haley Shepherds. I'm the pastoral uh, minister here. Uh, I do Outreach for Hope Ames, which means I get to be a part of Kairos. College students are some of the biggest groups that we can support here in the Ames community. So I'm so excited to be with you here today. Uh, Danny is actually with our friends in Iowa City preaching live. So I get to be with you today, which I'm really excited about. Uh, so we're going to say hello to our online fr friends that are on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, but today we are wrapping up our series, Best Year Ever. And we're not talking about, you know, this being the best year ever because it's perfect, but how can our faith transform our year uh, from now until eternity? How can our faith uh, give us this best year ever, even when it doesn't feel perfect? Uh, we read some of your prayer requests last week, uh, and I know some of you feel like this is furthest from the truth, that this isn't the best year you've ever had. It's been hard. You're dealing with loss. School is some of the most stressful times for you. Um, you miss your family. Uh, maybe you're having family troubles. I want you to know that there's still hope in the midst of things that we're experiencing in our life that keep us from feeling like it's the best year ever. We get, get to have hope because of our faith, because Jesus is this living hope that we get to experience. So I'm gonna invite you to look at this best year ever in a new way tonight. We're gonna be talking about what it means to be on a mission for God. Now, what you're carrying through those, through those doors when you come to Kairos can kind of seem heavy. Uh, maybe you're just ready to be. So the thought of going on a mission and being sent out into the world, it can seem like it's a little too much. But there's so many things we can do and so much that God can do for us so we can go on this mission. We're going to be talking about what it means to be on a mission for God. The word mission in the New Testament Greek actually means to be sent. When I think about mission, I can't help but think about space missions, um, to think about space exploration. And that clip we watched, it came from Apollo 13, um, which was 
happened after the mission on the moon with Neil Armstrong. It was just a year later. And so in this movie, we see that they have a mission. Their purpose is to land on the moon. But the purpose for them ends up not happening. Their mission fails. So we can see what happens when their mission fails and what they're left with. They're still left with hope. But our purpose, when we think about the Christian faith, is not a destination like the moon. It's a person. It's the person of Christ who becomes our purpose. Christianity is not a what or a how, but a who. Our purpose in life isn't about making something happen. It's about being who God created you to be. Now, what if I told you if your true purpose in life was to be loved? It seems so simple. It's a promise. And yet, why do we all feel so unloved sometimes? God's love is for us. Sometimes we think we have to earn that love instead of receiving it. Our mission in life is to receive that love, let that become our purpose, and it changes things. When we live into that identity as Christ, who claims us as his children, we get to love the world around us. We read this in John 3.16, and this is what God promises for us. Many of you know this verse or grew up uh, memorizing this verse, and for some of you it may be new. Let's go ahead and read this verse together. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his son, his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In John 3.16, we get to see this promise for us, that our purpose isn't something we do, but something that God has done for us. And so I ran into this question that kept coming up in all of your prayer requests. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? What is my purpose? These are big, daunting questions. We make purpose something that it's not. We make our purpose all the things that we're passionate about, but it's more about the pursuit of God's love. And it's the love that shows us who we are and whose we are. And that's why John 3.16 is so popular because it speaks to not only our purpose, but the promises God has for us. And so who are we? That's where we need to start when we think about purpose. Who are we and whose are we? God tells us who we are in scripture time and time again. In our Bible reading today, uh, we're called something, something that was kind of unexpected. We're called salt. We read this in Matthew 3, 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. It's not you will become the salt of the earth, you are. So if we are the salt of the earth, then God must be the salt block. We come from God. In Genesis 1.27, we read that God made man in his own image. Maybe you're thinking, great, Jesus, out of everything, you make us salt, you call us salt. I don't know if I want to be salt, Jesus. <laughs> the truth is, salt is very unexpected, but it's also very valuable. It shows us that we are significant. The salt of the world. Earth in Matthew actually means world, and it's very interchangeable. We are God's hands and feet in the world, and this passage is not calling you salty in the way that maybe Urban Dictionary would, but it's calling us salty because it's what we are. And that's how we live in the world. But we learn that salt can easily lose its flavor. 
Now salt, maybe if you use a little bit, you could definitely taste it. You could barely put any salt on hamburger, you could put barely salt on sandwiches, you name it, and you would taste the salt. It doesn't lose its saltiness simply by being salt. Salt loses its saltiness when it's mixed with all these other things, all these other sauces and seasonings that we've got going on here. I found this in my cupboard, so we don't know what's in here. Uh, But this is the world, and you don't know what's going to be in the world, everybody. There's different things that we face, whether it's sin, whether it's death. If we, as salt, enter that world, we can easily become mixed up in that, in the corruption, in the hate, in the injustice. That's how salt loses its flavor. It doesn't become less of ourselves. We don't become less of ourselves because we are salt. It's the world that comes in and shakes things up. It's God's purpose to come back in and separate us so that we can be with Christ, that we can be in Christ and Christ can be in us. We're moved back to our original form and that saltiness comes back. So what do we do now as that salt that is salty? We learn about how it can be separated, but how do we come back together? Neil Armstrong is a famous astronaut uh, who said this quote when he first stepped on, stepped on the moon. He said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I think these words speak true to what God has done for us. It reminds me of Jesus' death on the cross. It's something that had never been done before. God in the person of Christ rose from the dead. That's resurrection of the life is then given to us. We as salt are brought back to original form through forgiveness, through grace that allows us to hope. And so we get to share that salt with the world. That salt ends up being love. I want us to think about our purpose as two things tonight. Freedom from and freedom for. This freedom from really comes down to our purpose, what Jesus has done for us. That is our purpose, Christ's work on the cross then we move to this freedom for of what does that mean for us today? Freedom from sin and death, and now freedom for, we get to share that everlasting love that God has given us. Now these astronauts that we saw in that clip, uh, they didn't just sign up for that mission day of and just take this giant rocket to this giant space rock that we have uh, outside Earth. No, they had been planning and preparing their entire lives for that moment that moment to experience their purpose and their mission. The only problem was it was was based on a destination, not who they were. You even spend your whole lives preparing for this day that's coming up, graduation. Maybe you're four years along the line, or maybe graduation is close. But once you leave high school, you've spent 13 years of your life preparing to be an adult. By the time you graduate high school and go on to college, it's been 17 years that you've been preparing. And for those of you like me who are absolutely insane and decide to go on for another four or five years, that's totaling to 22 years of preparation. And I oftentimes ask myself, and for what? What am I actually preparing for? Why am I doing this? Maybe you've asked yourself that. Now, I don't want you to go to your advisor tomorrow, please, and drop out of college. I'm not saying, please don't do that. But I am saying that we think we can get so caught up in preparing and planning for our life after graduation that we forget the mission that God has called for us to be a part of today, 
this freedom for? To live in that freedom, to receive that freedom. And I think that all you're achieving in school is absolutely incredible. You have your GPA that you get to look at. You have all these awards and recognitions of your achievements. And you have these look great on paper. But what does it mean for the life of the world? You have your graduation, your bachelor's degree. You've got your sports award. Any of you guys MVPs in your little league sports? You've got these amazing resumes. Who loves resumes? Anyone? We've got like one person. That's how, that's how great resumes are. We also have this GPA. All of these things in and of themselves are amazing. They're great achievements, but I want us to take us a level deeper. The mistake we get so caught up into is thinking that we can't live in that mission today. We can't take those gifts that we've been given that help us with those achievements and direct them to a different purpose. What we're learning about in our Bible reading today is how to live that out. What happens when we take those gifts that we've been given and drive it into our purpose-filled life? One that's directed towards the mission God has for us. I wonder if you're already along for the ride or if you're waiting to take off. If you're already along for the ride, uh, maybe you're looking for a pilot. Maybe you've crashed your vehicle and now you're looking for someone else to help take the lead. Jesus says these things, that Jesus has taken over the course for us. Jesus comes and becomes our pilot so that we are no longer navigating alone. But Jesus shows us a better way, a deeper truth, and a more abundant life. On this next screen, we read this. Jesus says, I have all these things, I've said all these things to you, that, you may, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take art, I have overcome the world. We see that in our salt example, that Jesus is here to make everything that's been broken and make it right. But we are still going to experience that tribulation. It still may be a rocky road. And so if you walked in here today still holding on to those things that you wrote on your prayer cards last week, or if there's something new that's come up that maybe feels like life's getting a little rocky, know that Jesus is gonna be in the ride with you. That it's already taken off. There's nothing that you have to prepare for, but Jesus is already with you. The movie that we just watched, or the clip that we just watched, comes from Apollo 13, but what really stands out, if you haven't seen the movie, you probably recognize this quote. It says, Houston, we have a problem on the next screen. Now that we have a new flight path with Jesus as our pilot, we still may run into some problems. The earth isn't perfect, but we are not alone. Maybe you think, all right, Jesus, you take the wheel. I'm gonna sit back, relax, and I'm just gonna enjoy this smooth ride. Jesus says no. I will not ever leave you. I have promises for you. And I will return again to renew the world. But right now you can experience a new kind of renewal, freedom. And so shortly after Apollo 13 takes off, that's exactly what they run into. During their space flight, they had one of their oxygen tanks exploded. Um, they no longer had power, they no longer had light, and they had to do everything they could do to conserve energy to get back home it seemed like an impossible rescue mission. Does your life seem like an impossible rescue mission? Do you know turbulence well? Jesus offers you this, that you're worth saving. Jesus spoke 
this to his people once more. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is this new light that we get to experience, this light in the darkness, even in the turbulence, when we lose power, there's nothing left for us. Jesus says, I will save you. It may not be in the way that you expected. Jesus may take us on a new flight plan, but part of being a part of the mission of God means surrendering. When you experience turbulence, are you the first to take control? Or are you gonna let Jesus pilot this course? I don't know if you're like me, but I usually have like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, um, and then I know what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Is anyone else like that, like a planner, intense planner? We've got a couple. What happens when these plans that I make, uh, they usually go awry. My sister and I were talking uh, just last night. Uh, my birthday is coming up in a month. Uh, sh- this is my sister on the screen, her name's Sam. She's here, she did announcements, so you already saw her. Uh, She's great, she's a senior here. Uh, Sam is 21, um, and we're a couple years apart. Uh, Sam was telling me the other night at dinner, she said, "Uh, well, you're you're almost halfway to 30, how do you feel? And I looked at her, confused, because I thought she was joking. You know, sisters kind of pull pranks on each other and joke around. And she wasn't, she didn't get it. And I told her, Sam, I'm gonna be 26. And the look on her face of complete and sheer terror, she had your old just written all over her face. But she doesn't realize 26 to her seems like ages. But the reality is when I I was her age, when I was 21, I had so many plans for my life. I was going to be making $70,000 to $80,000 as a consultant doing business work. And now I had, and just the other week, I had to return something so I could pay for speeding tickets. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> so we're doing great. I thought I would have, you know, a ring on my finger. In fact, I was almost engaged once. Thank God it didn't work out. It was not meant to be. <laughs> we can laugh about it now. We can laugh about it now. We're friends. <laughs> but there's so many things that I thought were going to turn out differently. I thought I would be planning to start a family by now, and instead I have all of you, so I'm really thankful for that. It's like I've got praise for that, we're excited. Um, but God's plan for us, we always talk about that. That's the one thing I hear students say all the time is I don't know what God's plan is for me. I want you to start thinking about that in a different way. Instead, I challenge you to think about what are God's promises for me here and now. Our plans will inevitably fail us. If all of your plans work out, let me know your secret because I'm not living it, obviously. I'm willing to confess that. But my plans don't work out. When I take control, things go awry. But Jesus, the pilot, helps us stay the course. But God also gives you the ability to make decisions for your life, to surround yourself with people who will point you to Jesus. And you can make those decisions because you live in freedom because you have received Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we always make perfect decisions, but when we do make decisions, we can do it out of the love God has for you. We can do it out of the heart of justice that God gives you. We can also do it out of the security of faith that you have been given. So where do I go is the question that we're answering today. When you make those decisions on where you're going to go and what you're going to do, just keep 
God at the forefront of your minds and hearts. Yes, God has a plan for ultimate renewal where everything will be restored. Right now, things are still a little broken, but that doesn't mean it's for you. We get to experience grace and forgiveness and eternal life. But if we get so stuck on that future of eternal life, we get to miss the mission that God has for us today. When turbulence hits, do you look to the pilot or are you taking control? So how do we stay on mission? How do we be a crew member on the course that Jesus is piloting? We're talking now about keeping on a mission. We read this in Matthew 22, 37. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a verse we can look at and study. Sometimes it doesn't really sink in. If God is our mission commander, this verse is what points us in the right direction. Not instructions on how to make our life perfect, but if we are doing these things, we're on the right track. And it's how to make our lives successful, not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God's kingdom. Jesus is calling you to live in this freedom. In commandment, we look at that, we look at it as law. Jesus has fulfilled the law. And now we get the opportunity to receive this commandment as instructions. We get to fall on grace and forgiveness. And that's where freedom comes in. We read about what this freedom for and freedom from gives us in this next verse and what we're called to be, our mission for the world. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. We read that in Matthew 5, 14. A city on the hill, you come into town pretty much anywhere at night, you'll see the light first, and then you see the city. That light will direct cars and traffic to safe places, to housing. It also shows that there can be light in the darkness. In the Gospel of John, we read, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness will never overcome it. And that, we know, is Jesus. This metaphor it represents our mission, to be light. The function of light is not to be seen, just to be looked at. Hey, look at me. Not something we boast in, but instead something that we receive. Jesus is the light. We then get to bear that image. We too get to be light. We get to joyfully point to that power source. We get to come back to all of these things that you've accomplished, which in and of themselves are fantastic things. But God has given you gifts and abilities to make all these things possible. Not that you can get some award or recognition, but instead to be a light for the world around you. Jesus is simply a spark that lights that for the world around you. And slowly this will start to catch fire and be a flame and be light. And if I start a fire and the place burns down, we will all evacuate. <laughs> but that's going to burn. And it's going to be bright. And that's you. It's not someday. It's not after graduation. It's now. This is the light that 
can't be put under a basket, can't be put out, but instead it shines for the world around us. Let me read that in our next verse. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. That light and that smoke, it's gonna keep going. It's gonna provide smoke to all of you and light to all of you, don't you worry. And that's what we are for the world around us. God's spirit dwells in you so that your gifts and abilities can point others to who God is and what God has done for you. We read this in the last verse we're gonna talk about today. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let your good deeds shine. Not because we have to, but because we get to. We get to receive that love and that light and we get to share it with the world around us. I encourage you to be bold. Be bold in sharing love, even when it's hard. Fight for people. Seek justice, even when it seems like the world around you is going the other way. And above all else, hope. Because that's the one thing we can cling to when life becomes so turbulent, it feels overwhelming. So let's focus on our purpose, who Christ is, what Christ has done, and how that frees us to live out for the world around us and share this light that did not burn, but you guys know what I mean. <laughs> and so let's go ahead when we sing this last song and we'll end with a prayer after this song. Uh, let's think about our purpose and our mission and this love that we get to receive. Amen.